Hello and welcome to the very first Controller Talk podcast presented by Dan Foss North America. The purpose of this podcast is to bring you information about using Dan Foss controls in the supermarket and warehouse industry, specifically in the U.S. and Canada. We want to do these about twice a month and make them about 15 to 20 minutes each. Your results may vary. We'll see how long this is going to be. I'm Dave Yoder, along with Chris Brown, here to prove that almost anyone can have a podcast. We're taking a break from the phones to bring you information. Sharing information is key when you have problems to solve, design energy management systems, and troubleshoot things that you may not see every day. The goal of this podcast is to share information that's probably not in a manual, but can help you on your next service call or installation. At the end of the podcast, we'll give you information about how to reach us with questions, comments, suggestions, or future topics. Chris, you look pretty relaxed and chill over there. For now. <laughs> okay. Wish I could say the same. As you know, I'm on call this week. Hey, gotta do what you gotta do. It was me last week, so. Okay. And um, yeah, I was sleeping pretty good about five minutes to midnight when the phone rang. <laughs> we do have after-hours tech support, of course, and um, it was a West Coast call, and they were working away, and um, my first call to them was voicemail. Uh, I'm all set up in the garage. I got my computer. I'm connected to the store, the whole deal. Second call, voicemail. I'm thinking this is a bust. You're a diligent guy, though, so you kept going, didn't you? That's right. I'm awake. Hey. Uh, third call, I did get the guy, and um, we got it straightened out and um, crawled back into bed about quarter to one. And um, fast forward to three o'clock, I'm still awake. <laughs> um, probably because I was like a kid going to Disney, you know, the night before, just a little too excited. Yep, I'm sure. All um, you can think about was the podcast, right? That's right. That's right. Um, but you know, it's all good. I'll be on fumes at three o'clock, but we'll push through. We've got coffee for that sort of thing. That's right. Yeah. Caffeine is a friend. All right. So Chris, so, uh, where are we? And uh, what do we know about podcasting? Well, like uh, Dave's had over here, we are not in State College. We're centered in Baltimore County, Maryland, so about 15, 20 minutes north of downtown Baltimore. I've been with the company about 15 years. We've been in this area since I started. I think we mm -hmm. were uh, out in a different part of town prior to that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we've been in, in uh, White Marsh, Middle River area in, in Maryland here for quite a while. As far as podcasts and what do we know, I think the right answer is nothing, right? That's right. We'll learn as we go. <laughs> yeah, we're going to feel this one out. That's but, uh, right. Looking forward to, to being able to hopefully give you guys a scoop on some things, like Dave said, that we uh, don't necessarily have in a document or um, call in you might not get, some things that just over the years we've seen, and, and hopefully this can point you in the right direction on something that really has you stumped. And Mom always said I had a face for radio, so uh, here we are. <laughs> So, Chris, um, we're going to jump into our first topic, and um, it's uh, something called a snubber. Um, it's one of these little guys, and we'll talk a little bit more about the actual characteristics of it. But uh, a snubber is not someone who fails to answer your text. A snubber is actually a little device that uh, can be pretty useful um, when you have a, a problem, especially on a relay board. But when you have a load that switches on and off, you can have a spike. Some people call it an inductive kick, but it's caused when you suddenly interrupt the current and you have a big increase in voltage just for a second. It's typically when a relay shuts off. 
The spike is most often seen when the relay board is wired right to a condenser fan contactor, but every once in a while you might see this from a liquid line solenoid coil. The spike on the um, on the condenser fan relay board is something I see a few times a year, but by the time someone calls, they're out of ideas and they're not quite sure what to do. Usually they, um, they try rescanning the board, resetting the board. Sometimes they have to do both. By the time they get tired of this, they usually start changing parts. It doesn't really solve the problem. And then when they get desperate, they'll start calling in, uh, wondering what's wrong with these boards. So if they're lucky, they can actually catch it when that spike occurs, when one of the condenser fans shuts off and you'll actually see the LEDs on the board will all flash at that moment. And then if you see that, you know that there's something going on here. But usually when I get a call with these kind of symptoms, the first thing I ask is if it's controlling condenser fans. So you can actually test for this if you have override switches on the relay board. And uh, if you can throw the in and out override rapidly, then you might be able to see these LEDs flash and um, you'll kind of know you're on the right track. But these relay boards are designed to deal with these inductive loads turning off, but sometimes these spikes can actually exceed the design spec of the board and that's when you can get into problems. So really a snubber, internally it's just a resistor and a capacitor in series. And um, it really does a good job of cutting down on these spikes. It kind of just absorbs the spike. And um, they're not the same as a varistor. A varistor is something I've seen um, put on relay boards years ago, but you don't really see them much anymore. This particular one is made by Electrocube, and we don't sell these, uh, but we can recommend a spec and where to buy them. The one that uh, we recommend is uh, the Electrocube RG, like Ralph Gary. 2031-6. It's just this little black rectangle with a couple wires coming off of it. And um, you can wire it right across our relay board, or you can take it right to the contactor coil and wire it right across there. But if your problem happens to be a liquid line solenoid valve coil, then you could either change the coil, you could wire it across the relay, or you could um, put it right across the coil itself. If you have a uh, condenser fan relay board, you're usually going to be controlling at least four condenser fan relays. It could even go up to eight or ten easily. So then the question is, how do I know how many of these things to install? But because your problem might only be with one or two things, and um, you don't really want to go out and, and put them on every relay. Right. So I've seen these things widely vary in price from uh, anywhere from ten to fifty dollars each when you're looking at online for these, but I think the best option is, uh, from what I've seen, is eBay, yeah, yeah, eBay, <laughs> Amazon, or uh, or Peerless Electronics. You know, they all seem to have reasonable prices on these things. Yep. So uh, a few guys will install these on um, a couple of relays and see how it goes. Sometimes that's all you need, and then if it continues um, to whether the board's going offline, then they'll act accordingly and add a few more until it takes care of their problem. But you know, it doesn't happen often, 
But when it does, it drives you crazy because you can change all the parts you want and the problem doesn't go away. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the important parts there to, to keep in mind is not necessarily jumping right to this is, is what the issue is. There's some other things that, especially if it's going offline, that you want to try to knock out first that are a little more common instead of just jumping right to this because it really doesn't happen that often, like you said. Right. Usually you can check the board itself to see if it's getting wet or if it's got corrosion on it or something like that yep. before you jump to something like this. Right. But fortunately, these things don't, these don't wear out. It seems once you put them on, then you're done. But if you see some on a condenser fan relay board, then you'll have some idea why they're there. Yeah. Um, I've seen them on uh, new condensers sometimes, which is the surprising part. Oh, it's like the manufacturer put it in. Well, actually, we've seen the problem on new condenser mm, fans. Okay, okay. Yeah. I thought you meant the snubbers themselves. Right. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, I've seen them on new ones uh, sometimes, but occasionally you'll get an older uh, installation where you might need to do that. Yeah. I know for me, that's usually what I hear when they're calling in is that the fans are banging on and off constantly. Right. But yeah, that, that's definitely one of the giveaways there. Yep. So, Chris, we've got uh, something else in the podcast that uh -oh. uh, I like to call Stump Chris. Uh-oh. <laughs> <clears throat> so we're going to throw a question at you. And, um, you know, obviously you're pretty good at this stuff, but mm. um, we're going to find out how good you are. Mm. So um, just to be clear, can you testify in the state of Maryland and based on statutes and laws that we have here that I have not shared the answer or the question with you uh, in any way? Now, we're in Maryland, but I'm from Pennsylvania, so do I have to swear to this? Well, Put I am, up I am as well, but uh, <laughs> you don't have to raise your right hand or your other right hand. Um, but uh, both being from Pennsylvania, no, I think uh, we're sitting in Maryland, so I think that gets jurisdiction. Okay. Well, now I'll have to uh, admit if I don't know the answer on this one, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> so here's your setup. So the um, situation is um, guys are putting boards in, they're hooking things up, and they have a few variable outputs. Yep. So you would have a variable output module, maybe a relay board or two, all on the same comm module. The problem they report is that they can't get the output to work on the variable output. Yep. And on the relay board, the relays just don't seem to respond, even though the board's online. So what do you think the problem is? Well, I won't go into too much confidence. I don't want to call this one a layup. <laughs> but, but no, this is, uh, we won't say common, but something that we do see, and, and this could also be either during a startup or um, after some boards have to be updated or replaced maybe, but an error in how the boards have been addressed, um, I think is where you're heading with this one. You're on the right track. Okay. So one of the, I guess with any of our system managers really, looking at the 255, 355, the, the 800 series, you get some flexibility in, in when you're going to assign your, your addresses in the program. And so one of the issues that that can lead to is the, potential for the controller to allow you to assign an analog output or a relay point to the opposite type of board. And if we run into that situation, you said it's something that one of the first checks we'll make is going under the, the network nodes or board and point screen of the controller. You can also go under list nodes, I guess, as I'm thinking through this while we talk and see if the board's assigned for multiple types. So yeah, we don't sell an analog output relay board combination. They're, they're two separate boards for us. And so that has to be programmed to match that. Right. How'd I do? How'd I do? You actually did pretty well. <laughs> Wasn't sure if you remember this one. 
All right, so one for one, it's uh, all downhill. From yeah, here. <laughs> clearly, I have to make them more difficult for the next one. Okay. Um, all right, so now we want to move on to uh, listener mail. Yep. Now, the curious uh, and odd thing about listener mail is that this is our first podcast. No one has the email address, but you know those clever marketing guys—they come up with everything. <laughs> it's all in what they can create. So we actually have mail from a listener. Amazing. <laughs> it is. It's amazing stuff. So the uh, email goes as follows. Dear Controller Talk guys, how do we reach you for tech support? I tried calling this number I found on a compressor room wall for Dave Yoder. It was 410-513-1181 and it's been disconnected. What a pain. Signed, frustrated in Phillipsburg, New Jersey. Are we sure it was a compressor room wall? <laughs> well, I'm hoping, yes. Um, there's plenty of uh, compressor walls out, room walls out there with my name on them and number, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I would prefer that over a uh, bathroom wall any day. That's <laughs> kind of the way I look at it. So uh, what's the answer on this one? How do people actually reach us? Yeah, so I mean, probably a little more information than you guys are interested in. But a few years back, Dan Falls implemented some new systems in the company. And, and a lot of the phone numbers changed for the company when we did that. So we started with an 888 number around 2016, 2017. So uh, yeah, if you're going to our main number to try to get a hold of tech support, then uh, it's an 888-DANFALLS number. So 888-326-3677. Danfoss has all kinds of business segments that we operate in, so you're going to get a bunch of prompts to go through. We've got drives, uh, we've got a heating division, uh, to where we fall under the cooling category for the company. And I think that's one of the things that's good to point out right now, too, is if even though the controllers can handle the, the RTU side of things and, uh, with heating and cooling, you don't want to go to the heating option when you, you're looking to get a hold of us. Right. The way the prompts are set up today, if you go under cooling, you'll see another option for electronics. So this is option one for cooling and then two for tech support. And then you'll want to go to one again for electronics. And, and under that category, you'll get a, another option for supermarket electronics, which is where you get into our group. Set up from 8.30 to 5, 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern to, to get in touch with us Monday through Friday. Dave started off the show with this, but we do have some after-hour support if you run in, into some emergencies there. And then the other thing I'll point out is that resources beyond just calling into us, we, we do have a, a website that we try to maintain with documents that aren't just the standard, here's a user guide, and some, some things that are specific to some applications you guys might be seeing in the field on how to set different things up. So danfoss.com slash supermarket support is that website. There's, there's training videos on there as well. Hopefully some things that would help you guys out. And people can use the same 888-DANFOSS number after hours, right, if they actually have an emergency situation? Yep. And just keep in mind there, you're not getting directly a hold of a guy that's going to be able to help you out. You go through our monitoring team, and then they'll take down your details, and they'll uh, pass the, the info over to whoever's on call. We, we do it on a weekly basis, and um, that guy will be giving you a call back to help, to help you out there, hopefully. Yep. I'm going to stick my neck out here. So I'm usually the early guy. Yep. So that means I usually roll in or into the office or my home office at 7 a.m. And uh, obviously there's either a guy out there that's been frustrated all night that was reluctant to call or a guy working early. Early bird on yourself, yeah. That's right, yeah. So I'm usually uh, in at 7 
And if people call that number that early, they'll have to enter my extension to get me. Yep. And that extension is 2048. Yep. So extension 2048 will get me early. And um, then you wouldn't necessarily have to wait till 8 or 830. Yep. And uh, interestingly enough, the drives division has after hour support as well. And um, you can reach them after hours through the same 888 Danfoss number. Yep. And um, sometimes we get their calls by mistake, but uh, we can quickly kind of route them over. But there's a lot of Danfoss drives out there, so people need to know that. Yeah, and I, maybe that's something we talk to in a little more detail in another show. But, yeah, I mean, it, it can get a little messy for you guys, I know, with drives and our controllers and the two work between the, each other at times on a condenser or a compressor. So, yeah, right. I can see where that's confusing. But we do have two separate groups in Danfoss to support them. Yep. And um, from a heating standpoint that you mentioned, uh, for us in the Danfoss world, heating is usually electric floor heat, uh, electric heat under a driveway or sidewalk, something like that, or hydronic heat, yep. uh, steam, that sort of thing. Yep. So we have our own guys for that. Right. So if you'd like to drop us an email with a suggestion for a topic to cover, a question, comment, that sort of thing. The email address is ControllerTalkNorthAmerica at DanFoss.com. So that's ControllerTalkNorthAmerica at DanFoss.com. It's actually live and it works and it's ready to roll. So uh, it be interesting to see what rolls in. So Chris, I think in some upcoming episodes, um, we've got some things mapped out. And um, like I said, we're going to probably do these about twice a month, and then we may uh, increase that number depending on uh, capabilities. But I think we're going to talk about some other things, like we'll probably do some deeper dives into different controllers, talk about the AKV valve, because there's a lot of those out there. And yep. um, there's a lot of things that guys don't know about them, especially if they have to start thinking about whether or not this valve is working or not. And I'm sure we'll come up with some other topics uh, yep. at some point. But in any case, thanks for listening. Our audio and video engineer is Michael, don't call me Mike, Beckerman. <laughs> Until next time, for Chris Brown, I'm Dave Yoder. Stay cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks.